You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Welcome to Listen with Liston, and it's the first Listen with Liston in the second quarter of 2019. And the reason that we're speaking to Liston Menchie's independent investment consultant is because it is the start of the new quarter, and we want to look back at the first quarter. He sent me something called Table of Changes, and it's JSE overall, top 40 gold financial, all the indexes, and it's month to date, quarter to date, year to date, year ago, etc., two years ago, the low and the high. Liston, I love looking at these statistics because it really does contextualize it when you sit every day and you talk about these things you don't really look back and say wait a second what's the big picture and you've given me the big picture it was uh, an interesting quarter yes i think it was particularly interesting because it started so badly in in the sense that the, the quarter ending to december was one of the worst on record and then uh, we get this quarter and everybody says it's the best in 10 years it's the best in something i say well actually We've only got back to where we were in October. <laughs> so, yes. you know, best is all relative. What are you talking about best? I mean, you're talking about the S&P 500. Are you talking about local? Yeah, or what I'm talking can... about uh, quite, a, quite a few of them. I talk about our overall index. I talk about the uh, in international markets, with a big exception of the Shanghai. Now, just, uh, you know, the Shanghai, if you look at it, is kind of the standout, uh, you know, for the year. And uh, from its low, which was pretty close to the beginning of the year, it's up 25%. So, in fact, it's up 24% for the year. And you say, good gracious, how could that be? But you just have to have been listening uh, and realize that uh, the uh, Morgan Stanley Capital International, otherwise known as MISCI, uh, index is going to include a lot more Chinese going forward. Yeah. Now, again, if you are a MISCI follower or a, a, a tracker, as we call it, then you just have to buy Chinese shares. Even though you don't want them, <laughs> you have to have them in because <laughs> you're, you're saying you will track the index. So I just think that that one is, is, is fascinating. But of course, if you do the Chinese index and, you know, you like the big picture, you know, we had a long period when it was about 2000 and then about four years ago, suddenly and all of a sudden, it rocketed up to 5000 and a bit. In the space, I think, probably less than 12 months. And then, catastrophe, it fell all the way to 4,000. Well, I say, if you were at 2,004, you're doing fine. But from five to four is not pretty. Then it went down, down, down. It got down to about 2,500 and is currently, you know, uh, hanging around the uh, 3,000 level. So it honestly depends where you're scoring from and to. But in terms of the index, uh, you know, and, and the quarter we're talking about, the standout was the Shanghai. Okay, let's get back home now from Shanghai and let's talk about the indexes that have really caught your eye over the last quarter and you can expand it if you want to to contextualize the quarterly performance. But let's talk about the overall index if we can to start with and then I want you to look at resources and although you don't have the retail index in your graph or your chart or your table rather, uh, I want you to briefly reference that. So let's start with the JSE's overall index, the quarterly performance please. Yeah, well, quarterly performance, very uh, very straightforward, 7.1%, uh, and that's in RAND. You might get a different number if you were looking at it in dollars, but not seriously different. Now, bear that in mind, when, when we look at the other international indices, nearly all of them were better than that. So although we're quite happy with our 7.1%, we uh, really didn't really feature in the first quarter. No big surprise, I guess. 
again, Lindsay, you know me well enough and you see my charts on a regular basis. And I basically say, please don't look at the overall index. It comprises two different parts, some going up and some going down. Yes. And on average, it does nothing. Now, we're going to talk about that again in a moment, I suppose. But the way I evidence that is to say, you know, if you had been looking over the, over the last uh, three years, uh, you would find that uh, resources are up 61%, uh, but the industrials are actually down in that period, and the property is even more down. So, you know, to, to say, well, the market or the overall index is doing something, I think just doesn't help people at all in terms of their decision making so that's i've said that one okay then month to date now just before you go on let me just give these numbers now uh, month to date resources 3.1 percent higher quarter to date 16 percent year to date obviously 16 percent because we're only into the first quarter a year Great. ago 38 percent two years 49 three years ago 61 and a bit etc so it's been the place to be if you haven't been there then yeah really you've you've detracted from your your performance what about the local stocks, the financials, industrials and retailers you probably can't give us accurate stats on, but give us an overall idea of the domestic stocks, those that ply their trade within the borders of the Republic of South Africa. Okay, well, uh, firstly, again, as you've said it, you know, when we talk stocks and we talk shares, we have to be very careful whether they're headquartered here or headquartered somewhere else and their prices are made elsewhere. And particularly where they have their total business interest outside South Africa, they're generally dancing to a completely different drum. But looking locally, the financials have been disappointing, and you can see that over a year ago, minus 10, over two years, minus two, over three years, minus four. Now, there was a time in my career when banks were the place to be. It was considered a very safe environment where if interest rates changed, you could change the, the interest rate you charged your consumers. You were growing because more people were taking credit cards, etc. Uh, and it has not been like that for quite some time. We now have new entrants into the field. It, it is very complicated. Disruptive is the word that, that uh, springs to mind. Uh, but by and large, uh, banks are a reflection of the economy itself. So if the, we know that the economy has gone nowhere for three years, it would be very surprising if banks had been shooting the lights out or had fallen apart. And not too distantly, the uh, um, insurers. So again, that's financials. But I think you're, you know, you're pointing to retailers. And we have seen some absolute annihilations hmm. in that place. And partly, I think, it was not so much South African uh, asset managers. We looked at quite a few of these and said, Colin, you know, they, they really are pricing for perfection. But the foreigners somehow or other were told that if you go into emerging markets, you should go into retailers. That was very much a mantra about three years ago. And just and before you go on, just before you go on, listen, just before you go on, the reason that they say that is you've got to go into retailers in Africa is because of the bulge. It's because of the demographics and everyone's saying that a new middle class is emerging and it's a youthful middle class as well or an aspirant youthful middle class and therefore they'll be going out and spending because that's what young people do. They buy cell phones, they buy clothes, they buy uh, tackies that they think are fashionable. But of course, it's not quite as simple as that when you apply it to the African continent. 
No, well, it's not as simple as that if you apply it to retail. And I'm now not thinking of Amazon, but I'm saying, you know, you have got retail space, generally in the form of bricks and mortar, and people come and visit. But if you're a retailer, you have to pay the rent. Now, if they are buying and buying uh, willingly because money is plentiful, then uh, you don't have too many problems about how many competitors you have. But, you know, if you have one mall and everybody's making money, you two malls, you kind of weaken things. But by the time you get to 30 malls trying to service the same number of people, it stands to reason that you probably don't make profit in any of the stores. Mm. And I do think there's been an over-proliferation in a number of places, not, not least South Africa. And the one I point to particularly, and, and you don't have too much of it listed, but is coffee shops. My goodness me, go back 40 years, Lindsay, and you would have battled to find a coffee shop outside a hotel. And now they are, they compete, you know, with you as you walk down the street. So, you know, it, it says that, no real barriers to entry. I mean, anybody can make coffee. Some make it better than <laughs> others. And anybody can put out a few chairs and tables and lo and behold, you've got, you, you have a business. Listen, I think, you've got, really I think you've got yourself a business model there. So what you're saying is anyone can make a cup of coffee. Anyone can put out a set of tables and chairs and anyone can attract people as long as there's a bit of sun and an umbrella and a pretty waitress or a pretty waitron or a, a good-looking young man serving you the coffee. What I object to, and I'm going off at a complete tangent, is when I go to a bar, I'm not a coffee person. They talk about coffee culture. Coffee's not a culture. It's a beverage. There's a beer culture. I'll accept that. You go to a bar and you're standing there and there's a hipster in front of you with a beard and a check shirt and some skinny jeans. And he orders three different types of coffee. One is a macchiato, uh, non-caffeine, and the other two I can't even begin to say. And it takes seven minutes for the person behind the bar to serve this freak with his three coffees. Whereas I'm waiting for a beer, all they have to do is take the beer out the fridge, lop the top off, and give it to me. It takes 12 yeah. seconds. It's so <laughs> annoying. Please separate the two functions. And I'm very, very serious. Anyone listening with a coffee shop or a bar, or rather a bar, get coffee out of the bar, please. Separate the functions. Anyway, you were making a retail point before I rent it. No, I think the, I think you're, 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 you're striking the point as well. You know, we have things called supermarkets, and they serve everything to anybody at any time. Then you get specialty stores. And again, it has been the general retailers who have been best. The furniture retailers have done disastrously. The food uh, still has to uh, attract people, uh, but there has been trading down. So, again, you don't want to see the charts. They look as though they're, they're heading for the South Pole. Uh, but the same is true of most of the small cap stocks. And I just did a summary of the companies that reported on Friday. And it was absolutely horrific because virtually one after the other, they went through and said, uh, you know, the profit, operating profit was down. The operating profit was down. If you've got time, I'll just go through a bit of it. Uh, foresight into a final uh, operating profit shrunk. Accentuate interims, gross profit lowered. AEP interim results, operating loss for the period widened. Uh, anchor, pro operating profit decreased by 18%. I mean, gosh, you know, when you read that every single day, uh, you get quite worried because it just says that, you know, if the businesses aren't making money, then they are not expanding. Then they are not uh, necessarily, uh, you know, raising new businesses anywhere in terms of orders to the people who supply them. 
so honestly, it, it it really comes down to you know situations where at one or other time you know you get this lovely story which says the loss for the year narrowed. <laughs> Gosh, I don't know that I'm too excited when the loss for the year narrowed. I think a lot of people are very excited about the about April the first because the bears at the moment are April Fools and the bulls are in clover, if you like. With the pre-recorded price of the dollar rand, we're pre-recording this on a late Monday lunchtime, fourteen eighteen. It was fourteen seventy-five three trading days ago. So everyone's saying, well, this is absolutely fantastic. And all the trends that were entrenched in the first three months of 2019 are now out the window, i.e. the retailers are going to bounce back after a miserable quarter. And it was a nice time with the resources and the particularly the gold and platinum miners since October, November last year. But unfortunately, that's also over now. So we can get back to normality in South Africa. I don't know if the trend is over yet, Liston. So we've gone back over the last three months. Let's look forward to the next no, three I'm months plus. No, I'm absolutely supporting you there. Uh, you know, t- for a trend to change, there must be some event. Now, mm. it could have been interest rates being uh, reduced by the governor uh, of the Reserve Bank last week. Uh, he chose not to. Uh, we've got a fuel price increase of over a rand coming at us the day after tomorrow. Uh, I don't see that allows any any excitement for the consumption side of this economy. What definitely did happen was that Moody's decided to say nothing. Yes. Now, golly, you know, if you tell me that you're going to do something on the 29th of uh, March, and I'm, uh, you know, waiting with bated breath for it all the way through, and you don't even say a week ahead, well, I'm going to change my mind. Don't you As think that was bad Brexit. manners? That was really bad manners from Moody's. Everyone was expecting it. Maybe we were expecting it a little too much without any backup, any official we are going to release at 6 p.m. on March the 29th, the last trading day of the first quarter. But I tend to think that they could have put something out given the media frenzy that surrounded this particular event. Bad manners, Moody's. Well, the point is they say it's indicative only. We're not obliged to give a, a rating. Yeah. And many people had been saying they won't, they won't give us a rating ahead of the election. Now, again, if they'd just come to the party and said that, you know, three or four weeks ago, you wouldn't be seeing uh, the change in the RAND that you've seen today. So, again, I think we have got, as you say, a knee-jerk reaction, all sorts of, of ifs and buts and maybes. And believe it or not, we are just, you know, about 40 days away from the election. Yes, which will be another fascinating thing and another thing that we have to wait for. We're always waiting for this. We're waiting for the governor of the Reserve Bank. We're waiting for the rating agency. We're waiting for this meeting at the IMF or whatever it is. No, waiting. Just let's get on with it and try and create some jobs. What are you looking at? You tend to agree with me that one swallow doesn't make a summer or a spring in the Northern Hemisphere's case and an autumn in South Africa. The trend has not yet changed, but there was a little bit too much froth on the resources glass. Well, I think a little bit too much mud in the retailer's glass, if you see what I mean. (laughs) No, but I think, you know, as a top-down view, it's quite interesting that people are saying uh, everything's great. Uh, We're pushing the uh, share prices up, not to record levels yet, but close to that. And on the other hand, we're saying, oh, my goodness me, but life is terrible. We have to drop interest rates. Now, I just don't believe you can make those two sentences in the same paragraph. So that's what I'm looking at and saying, well, now, it's not that one or other has to be true. They can both be incorrect and we can fumble and tumble along the middle, uh, which is 
pretty much the way I think it's going to going to end out. The second thing that I'm watching absolutely is the oil price because the oil majors are big in many indices and therefore the indices will benefit by the profits that they're generating. But of course, a higher oil price is inflationary and is, again, as in South Africa, you know, takes money out of uh, cons uh, consumers' pockets. So I just think people are being a little bit too... Uh, uh, what's the word, content with the current situation. I include Jerome Powell. You know, the, no inflation on the horizon. The oil price is up 35% this year. Yes. Now, if that isn't inflation, I don't know what is, but it's exactly the point I made. It might be up 35% the, the uh, first quarter, but it was down probably 20% in the last quarter of last year. But still, we are, we're talking about uh, Brent crude somewhere close to $70 a barrel, and all I know is that eventually comes home in the form of inflation. Yes, has to, unless there are the efficiencies in the economy worldwide that we don't know about that means that that sort of is count the efficiency counteracts the rise in the oil price. I don't think so somehow. Liston, we've run out of time. You've sent me your month-end table of changes. And if I can get the boffins at uh, strictlybusinesspodcast.com to put it up on your channel, which is listen... Listen with Liston, I'm going to put your monthly table changes and also your monthly charts up. And then if people like it, after a few weeks, we'll pull the plug and they, they can pay for them. And I think they're worth paying for. Is that OK with you? Yes, absolutely. So, so, and, and the charts are weekly. Yeah. Yeah, jolly good. Liston Mainchies, independent investment consultant. Thanks so much for your time. And that was Listen with Liston. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.